Zen Parenting Radio, episode 157. This is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio. We we are excited to introduce our next partner. Actually, her name is Hunter Clark, and she's uh, has a website called HunterYoga.com. And when you say our next partner, you mean our new partner. Our new and next partner. Our new Zen Parenting Radio partner. So we interview her on the second half of the show, but I wanted to give you at least a quick uh, bullet point of what it is. She has this thing called the Daily Practice, okay? Okay. And it's 28 days uh, of yoga and meditation and videos and things like that. So um, we're excited at it because uh, there's quite a bit of overlap and alignment between what you and I try to teach and what Hunter teaches. Well, and I think, and we discuss this when we interview her, but I think the most important thing is, is we talk about a lot of concepts and here we have an actual, well, it's not ours, it's Hunter's. She's offering an actual practice to um, to take these ideas in, to really connect with them and understand meditation and use yoga to um, breathe and connect with your body and have greater awareness overall. And it's designed for busy moms. Yes. And I know there's a lot of busy moms. Now, does that mean that men can't do it? No, because I'm doing it. Good. So it's a 28-day immersion of uh, yoga and things like that. The first seven days are free. So um, it's hunteryoga.com slash zen if you want to learn more about it, hunteryoga.com slash zen. And um, so, and we'll talk to her on the second half of the show. Sounds good. So uh, first though, I did a show last week or we did a show last week where I shared 11 mistakes that I did as a husband. 11 mistakes you made. What did I say? That you did. I did make those mistakes. (laughs) You did. You made those mistakes and it was funny because somebody, or it wasn't somebody, it was my friend Jenny. She commented, I hope you've made more mistakes than that or else I hate you. Yeah. Did you see what I responded? <laughs> no. What would you say? I said, nope, just 11. <laughs> so um, let's get into it. Okay. Oh, wait. First, I need to do my intro. Well, what, what are we getting into? You didn't explain. Your 11 mistakes Oh, so you as a wife. Okay. So Todd did his 11 mistakes last week. So this week, I'm talking about my 11 mistakes. I have to say that I think I'm in a tougher position because you used all of our common mistakes mistakes meaning you know love languages and you know generalizations just admit it i'm gonna win the the mistakes well you might is it a competition todd must it be it must always be but okay uh zen parenting radio this is episode number 157 zen parenting radio's discussion between a spiritual emotional mom and a logical and practical dad we have three daughters six nine and ten and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent but more importantly, to become a better you. And just remember, sweetie, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. You know that I decided since we've been using da- Daniel Siegel's quote or a variation of his quote, um, I'm going to talk about him in my college class this semester. Good. I think we should get him on the show. Um, Daniel Siegel, if you're listening, <laughs> shoot us an email. I think we'll have to get in touch with we'll him. We'll have to reach out. But I think it's a good fit. So what's? Uh, let's hear some mistakes. You just want me to jump in? Okay, so mistake number one that I've made as a wife or as a mother is being a martyr. Oh, yeah. And I think that this was – the reason I had to put this number one was because I think this is eventually what led to all of my writing and my book and my teaching is that when I became a mom, I tried to do it the way that I did my career, which is do everything myself and show everybody how great I was at it and how I can handle everything and how I wanted to take everything off everyone else's back. And really when I'm saying everyone else, that means you. Right. Because it was just basically you and I here. um, You and I against the world. 
you and I with our little baby. And, you know, as I've written about, uh, here I am, a, I'm an elementary school teacher, and I've been a therapist for many years, and I think, well, I'm having a child. This isn't going to be such a big deal. And it totally rocked my world and changed my perception of myself and the world and our relationship. And so uh, being a martyr, um, being a martyr, meaning that I was trying to do everything and I realized that that really wasn't possible. Is it a coincidence that this is the first mistake you're mentioning? And the reason I say it is because I think that this is the most obvious um, thing that moms struggle with. Well, and not only that, but I want to make sure that everyone understands it's not something that I've then 100% overcome. Um, I think that all of these mistakes I'm talking about are daily practices, meaning just because I become aware of it doesn't mean that I never do it anymore. I still have things where I'm like, well, I'm just going to complete this so I don't bug anybody or... um, I'll just do this um, because I have to do everything anyway. You know, I still get that martyrdom thing going on. And so just because I'm aware of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. It just means that um, that I'm aware of it. Right. I can hear you breathing in my earphones. No, you can't. I can. No, you can't. Okay. What do you mean, no, I can't? What else you got? Uh, okay. Number two? So number two. And this is going to be connected to number three. But in my relationship with you, pretending to like things I didn't like. Like the White Sox? No, I like the White Sox. Beer? No, um, I like beer okay. You like um, Amstel Lights? I do. I'll have an Amstel Light. <laughs> Even the way you say it sounds I like um, Amstel Light, and I like that summer shandy. Yeah, you do. In the summer. Not in the winter. No, because it doesn't taste right. No. I also like... Miller Lite every gray once in a while. So give me an example of what you're talking about. Well, anything. You know, I don't even know if I can. It's just pretending that everything that you think is great, I think is great too. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you like to You're afraid to disagree. Yeah. Or I think that's an old girl thing that I'm really trying to dispel, not only in my own life, but make sure that my girls have an understanding that I saw this great quote from uh, Amy Poehler that always goes through my head that she said she she does this great website called uh, what is her website called uh, Smart Girls and she does little videos for girls who are who are in pre adolescence and uh, teenagers just to kind of give them a different perspective and one of the things she says is if a boy says something and it's not funny you don't have to laugh right and I know that sounds like a really simple thing no, but powerful. as girls we're just trained to be like oh you're so great it's like a old generalization and stereotype the fruit cup girl i just read a book called masterminds and wingmen and it's a lady who wrote mean girls mm. and she talks about an example of a girl called a fruit cup girl and there's an example where a girl pretended that she was so inadequate that she couldn't open up her fruit cup so she had to ask the boy for help. Totally. And this is where we get into this place where girls start to dumb themselves down. They pretend they don't know anything. They pretend they're, all their interests are the same as male interests. And the thing is, is they can overlap. Like you said, I do like the White Sox. I do drink beer. I do have – there are many things that we like to do that are similar. But there's some things I don't like. And I think for a long time, I just didn't want to disrupt that. And I thought that if I didn't like something you liked, that that somehow was – you would look at that poorly or that would hurt our relationship or, you know, it's a self-worth thing. Right. I mean, I can't blame you. Sure. It's me thinking that what I believe is not as important exactly. as what I believe. 
So that's something I still work on because, like, you know, Toddy likes to go um, – he likes to go camping, and I don't. And it doesn't mean I don't love nature. I'm, like, looking at him while I'm saying this, even though he knows this. doesn't mean I don't love the elements in many ways, but I like – to go to bed comfortably. You just love nature from the confines of a hotel room. That's not true. fair. Oh, Stop. Say true. Sorry. Because here's the thing. You have a way of liking nature. I have a way of liking nature. Your way is not different than mine. Because I love to be outside. But when I go to bed, I want to wash my face and go to bed. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that took me a long time to, if you were like, oh, but camping, you know, and I have friends who love to camp. Oh, that's the only way. That's the only way. Those are the stories we have to break away from. I was walking around thinking I must not love nature because I don't love camping. But I do love being out at bonfires and I love being outside. But when the day is done, goodbye. But you know what? I did go camping last summer. You did? Yeah. Where did we go? We went to family camp. Oh, yeah. That was in cabins. That's camping. It's a little different. Okay. Are you getting mad at me right now? No, but see, you're not. You're I'm hurting just, the point. I'm illustrating the difference between you and I. That's all. That's right. But can you hear yes. the fact that there you are different ways to... You don't have to like camping in order to love You don't nature. have to like your way of camping right. to make it camping. That's what drives me crazy about people. And here's the guy part of me. Right. Um, I think there needs to be an element of misery in camping. Like and I, see, that's ridiculous. I know. I'm saying that because I know that you would jump all over it. Okay. Like camping is about waking up sore from sleeping on the ground. I okay. love that. Enjoy that. <laughs> no. You enjoy that. Okay. So now here's the paradoxical number three. The number three thing is not trying things I haven't tried. Because while that's a mistake I've made where at the same time I need to be vocal ah, and, and honest about the things I don't like, that doesn't mean that everything you're interested in that doesn't initially sound fun, I should just say, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So a mistake is not trying things you haven't tried that just because you haven't done it doesn't mean you won't like it. And it's good to kind of push your boundaries a little bit and say, because there are things that I have tried that have been like, okay, did that. I don't need to do it again. Um, kind of like when you tried going on the beast at Cedar Point. And I cried. And you cried. Because like, it was scary. Here's my story about Kathy. Like even worse than the beast was that one where you go up on the swings <laughs> and you're just like on a swing, but you're way up high in the air and you're going and around you're, in a big And they're circle. moving you up into the sky and all you're on is a swing. And you... I, I I thought that when girls would scream on roller coasters, I thought like it was a fun scream. Uh -huh. Like, oh, I'm so scared. You were terrified yes. for your life. Yes. Even though you were completely safe. Was I though? Yes. Okay. Because I, I didn't feel safe. It just gave me... Um, I've never ex I've never experienced that before where somebody was so scared on a roller coaster. So nice job trying the beast and the swing. Yeah, those are those are some things and you know, um maybe trying a new restaurant that you want to go to. Go. I mean, I may initially say, "Oh, I want to go into my comfort zone." It's like, "You know what? I'm going to push my boundaries a little bit. I am in a relationship, mm -hmm. and part of being in a relationship with your children or your husband or your significant other or whatever is to um, to to step outside that box sometimes. Right. So do you understand why those two are paradoxical I do. then? I do, but they're both valid. They're both valid and valuable. I'm with you. So here we go, number four. Uh, worrying about the small stuff and not seeing the big stuff. Okay, give me an example. Um, I can't believe <laughs> that you still don't pick up your socks. That's where I keep them. I know. And that our dressers are full of your clothes. I keep them there. <laughs> but I try to not... Wait, Yoda would say try not. 
I make a practice of not focusing on those things because you know what? As you always say, our financial house is in order. Yeah. Todd works very hard to make sure that we are very conscious of where our money is going. Doesn't mean we have money coming in, money going out. Yeah, that that he knows what's happening. Number two, he does things like clean out the garage and takes care of our cars, and that these are very masculine things. But mm-hmm. he does things like um, picks up groceries on the way home for me sometimes because you know, and I'm saying for me, but for us. You know, for us. But you mow the lawn, sweetie. I do. Well, that's the thing is it goes back and forth. Those things that I just said tend to be more masculine things. But my point is is that there are many things that you do that if I were to focus on your socks and your clothes, I would miss the big things. And that's a don't sweat the small stuff kind of thing. Exactly. And I really – you know what I do with your socks? Here's the thing. Todd just throws stuff on the floor in our bedroom. If it bugs me, then I need to put it in the – dirty clothes because mm-hmm. it doesn't bug you first of all they're not dirty i get i get one or two days oh, out of my socks okay there's socks I know. they're in really i know but tight I'm, I'm low on the i'm low on my inventory of good quality socks then we need to order new socks or go get some it's on the list is it no no <laughs> okay but it, uh, it's on the list to be put on the list so it's, it's one of those things where some days i walk in but you know what's interesting i walked in the bedroom yesterday or maybe even today i can't remember and the bed is always made. That's right. So Todd's leaving socks on the floor and making the bed. So I think it's kind of like half glass full, half glass empty. Am I noticing what's not working or am I noticing what's working? Yeah. Focus on the good. I am. What you focus on grows, sweetie. Uh, it, so I've heard. Before you get to number five, I want to talk about our second partner, Cairo Tree or Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. They're at chirotree.com. They, um, Dr. Kelly is our chiropractor. She's here in Elmhurst. So if you live in Chicago or the western suburbs... She is a wonderful resource for our family and will be an unbelievable resource for yours. Uh, Her number is 630-941-8733. It's Healthy Families by Choice. Not by chance. And and just as a reminder, obviously she works with adults, but she also works with children and she works with babies. So if you are pregnant or you have just had a baby... um, She'll adjust a a newborn. She will. It's crazy. I've seen it. Of all people, who needs an adjustment more? That newborn just made a quite the journey. That newborn just did something harder than it will ever, ever do, do again. Again. So, and that doesn't mean that they won't work it all out. Right. But if they work it all out in alignment, yeah. it's a lot easier to work out. It's a lot of working out. <laughs> all right, next one. Um, I, this one is old, very old. But you and I talked about it in the car. Not saying thank you and sorry. Ooh. Good one. I think that those we those words are so valuable and we hold them so close to our chest because they make us vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because when you say thankful thank you to somebody in meaning it, not like, oh thanks, not the generic thanks, but thank you for doing that. Thank you with eye contact. When was the last time you and I and our listeners have made thank you with good heartfelt eye contact? Right. Or holding a hand right. or, you know, whatever doesn't happen as often as it should. It doesn't. We're a lot more passive about it because it is very vulnerable. Especially if it's something that's expected. Not expected, but normal. Right. You run this house and you do a million things a day. I thank you for about 1% of those things. And and vice versa. So it's easy to um, 
not say thank you for things because it happens so continuously. Because it's expected. You know, when I, I used to do, well, I still do, but they're kind of different focus. But when I was working with uh, parents on issues around discipline years ago, they I would always bring up being grateful or saying thank you to your kids. And it was most often the dads, but they would say, well, I'm not going to thank them for bringing their plate into the kitchen because I expect them to do that. And that's the you misconception. Can, you can expect them and thank And them. say thank you. Same they're with, not mutually exclusive. Exactly. Same with, you know, what Todd typically or traditionally does in our home. Just because he does it every day doesn't mean it doesn't warrant gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to go both ways. Like, it's not about kneeling down and bowing down and saying, oh my gosh, it's about just, hey, I I noticed that you did that. And sorry. Yeah, sorry is, um, I think, even more important and harder to do. Yes. Because sorry means I screwed up. Well, and can I connect this one to another one of mine? Sure. Okay, another one of mine, my second to last one is um, not admitting to my mistakes. Okay. I think that that's something we learn very early, too. I think that might be a childhood thing, Mm -hmm. that we try to push blame or not take responsibility or somehow create a story about something so we don't have to admit to our mistakes. And something I've noticed as I've practiced this, is it is freedom to admit a mistake. You want to know why? Why? Because then it's over. You can put it behind you. You take that discomfort, that dis- discomfortable, is that a word, discomfortable? No. You take that uncomfortable moment of admitting that you did something wrong, and it's like one minute of sitting in that and saying, ooh, I made a poor choice, and I'm sorry, because this is why they're connected. And then it's over. Mm -hmm. If you try and push blame on someone else or create a story around something else or not admit to your role in it, it lingers and it grows. Don't you think? I do. I do. And I had a thought and I don't remember what it was. So I'm going to throw it back to you. Okay. Well, you know, like for example, if, you know, you always are trying to make up for it or prove why you didn't do it or prove how someone else did it more. Or even making up for it. Instead of making up for it, making up for it's a lot of work. It is. Just say sorry. Just say sorry. Take the path of least resistance. Now it can't be a BS sorry. It's got to be a real sorry. Well, I apologize. I made a mistake. And that's especially important for parents because I think kids are born thinking their parents are perfect. And then uh, we parents try to hold that reputation true. And we're not. We're not even close to being perfect. Or we think we won't be loved if we're not perfect. Right. And And I hate to tell you, but you're not. And the more you pretend you are, the worse off you are, meaning not only do you feel worse inside, but people can see right through you. Well, your parents are, your kids are eventually going to figure out you're not perfect. Just let them in on the secret early. Well, and I think even though we tell stories how we thought our kids were perfect or we thought our parents were perfect when we were little, of course there was a really deep down part of us that knew better. And we protected ourselves with stories and, and forgetting certain things. You know, you and I have talked about you forget things in your childhood because it's too much. Mm -hmm. You can't hold on to it. And I think it's a big relief for our children and our significant other when we say, I did this wrong, because that creates intimacy because you can trust that person. Because if they do make a mistake, they're willing Mm -hmm. to to own it. And you don't have to keep... I think a lot of arguments in, uh, you know, spousal relationships are about... I saw this, will you admit to seeing it? Mm. Or I'm feeling this way, will you notice what I'm feeling? And it's very hard to do that unless you're willing to admit your own mistakes. Right. And I think, like for like I said, it's just freedom to say, I totally screwed that up. I don't know. So um, what I would, the challenge to both you and I and to our listeners is think about the last time you gave a 
heartfelt sorry. And if yeah. it's been longer than a few days, I don't know, maybe you there's some space for some self-reflection. And I will say, you know, this is supposed to be mistakes between you and I, but I will say like with um, with my daughter this morning, she was just leaving. And <laughs> I did, it's a kind of a very, it's a short story, but she wanted to give a gift to her friend and it happened to be a framed picture of her mm-hmm. from when she was little. And she brought it downstairs and said, I want to give this to my friend. And I said, no, this is a framed picture of you. It's actually ours. And, you know, and it really broke her heart. And she really wanted to give it to her. And, I, and there's part of me that's like, big deal. But also, it's something from her childhood, and yeah. it's really not a gift to yeah. give. But even though I don't agree with her or completely understand why that made her sad, bottom line is it did. Mm-hmm. And my sorry isn't in admitting to – my sorry isn't about that I was wrong. Right. My sorry is that I'm sorry that this hurt you. Right. There's a very big difference. You know, we're talking about admitting mistakes. When I do something wrong, the sorry is one way mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things like between you and I, if I if you hurt my feelings but you didn't mean to, you may say, "Well, forget you. I didn't mean to. My that wasn't my intention." Was not, yeah. But if you did hurt my feelings, you're not saying sorry for who you are. You're saying sorry that what you said hurt me. Right. And that's a difference. Those are two different types of sorries you're describing. That's right. One is I screwed up. One is I didn't screw up, but you got hurt anyway, so I'm going to say sorry that... I'm sorry that what I said hurt you. That wasn't my intention. Right. But I don't feel good about the fact that you feel sad. Right. That, to me, is strength. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would view that as weakness, but to me, that's, again, freedom. Right. Because you are listening, validating, and normalizing that person's behavior. Right. And that's intimacy. Right. So... All right, so next. Here um, not trusting your ability to parent. Ooh. I don't, I don't, I think you're a pretty confident parent. Not trusting your ability to oh, parent. Oh, mine? Oh, forget about it. I'm rock solid. <laughs> you don't have to worry about mine, sweetie. This is old. This, this is, is from when the babies were this little. This is Mexico, right? This is Mexico. You'd go to Mexico, and I think on the first one, you were like such a protective mom. Oh. You gave me a two-page list of how to do things. Yeah. I don't know if I gave you a list of how to do things. Did a I? reminder? Whatever. Did I? I just said, Kathy, let me screw up. I'm not going to do it the way you do it. Maybe I did. But let me screw And this is, you know, bottle feedings and, and thawing up the milk. I mean, you were trying to be smart about it. Yeah. But I said, listen. I'm a 40-year-old dude or 35 at the time. I can do this. Right. Chill. Give me some space. Yeah. If I screw it up, the baby's not going to die. Everything's fine. You would never let that happen. Right. It's one of my favorite Sex in the City episodes. Miranda. Miranda. And when Steve Steve comes over with Brady and says, I can't do this, I'm afraid I'm going to kill it. Yeah, right. And then she says something like- Like, I'm afraid every day I'm going to kill it. Our whole job is to not kill it and then to give it back to you. And I just, why it's funny is it sounds harsh, but it's so true that when you have a baby, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so huge. Um, So I guess my point is, is that again, it's old. Give your partner partner room room to screw up. up. Right. Or give your partner room to do things differently. I remember something you and I used to talk about um, is nighttime routine. I was like, here's the nighttime routine. Here's how you have to do it. And you had a different nighttime routine Mm -hmm. and yours isn't wrong wrong right that they benefit wrong either from having two different routines right. they benefit they benefit from one but if we're not on the same page about that that doesn't hurt them right. we get very caught up in our it's got to be this way right and with clothes mm-hmm. you would dress them nutty yeah and i would maybe try and make things match yeah and 
match match yeah and it, who cares so not trusting that you could handle it uh, how many do we have left um one two buckle my shoe um three i i i have four but i'm only gonna do three okay okay so i'm really doing 10 which means i win well i can do the other one <laughs> We're not in competition. I'm sorry. We try and teach to not how be to, to not how be to not be in competition, but you keep competing with me. I know. <laughs> That's right. Okay, these can go fast. That's all right. We got five seven minutes. Okay. Oh, no, actually, I want to play Shafali's thing too. So so move through them quick. I wanted you to read my mind. Ooh, can't do that. I know. Any guy thinks he can read a lady's mind, forget about and it. And girls, quit thinking that they that that we should know better. Our partners should know exactly what we're thinking no. because they don't. And let's not pretend that they should because it's our responsibility to say what we need to say. And we keep pushing that off on them and saying you should just know this, and that's not fair. Right. Because really, what you're doing is you're pushing off your ability to be vulnerable by not saying what you really need until you're pushed to tears. Right. Okay. So. Connected to that, shut down instead of say what I felt. That's very similar. Instead of just saying what I need you to do um, or what I'm feeling, I would get to this point where I was completely shut down and then you'd have to pull it out of me. I actually used to tell you, ask me three or four times until I'm ready to tell you. Which drives me nuts. I don't do that anymore, though. That's old. No, I know. But that that was my practice. I was getting there. I know, and as a guy, that makes very little sense. True to us. True. How you are you mad? No, then you're not mad. Right. But if I have to ask, are you mad three or four times? Then now all of a sudden I'm mad. Envision someone being in like a deep dark place, and they need you to reach out, reach out your hand, and just pull a little more each time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's if you get look at it metaphorically, that it makes a little more sense. All right, working on it. Okay. Um, not a minute. Okay, letting. Okay, that one's too similar. So I'm just gonna do one more. Oh, then I win by two. <laughs> no, it's the one that I said I was gonna do. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let, letting go is the best way to love you. Oh, nice. Letting that go sounds like a good one. Yeah, letting go. What else you got? I mean, within the context, what does well, that mean? Well, what that Give means me is I have no desire to control you. Nor can you. I, I'm, I'm a. I'm a. You're wild. I'm you're a out of control. I have no desire to tell you how to be. I have no desire to decide how you should be because all of these things zap my pow- my energy and my power, and it's a misunderstanding because I don't have control over that. Right. Meaning, we a lot of us get together with a partner when we're younger, and we say, "Well, they're going to change," or "I'm going to teach them how to change," and a lot of People in our family will say, well, you just got to change them. Or, you know, if you do this or that, it'll change them. Now, I can see a significant other being influenced by you, but I don't think they're going to be influenced by you forcing them to be a certain way. I think they're influenced by you living your life a certain way and them wanting to practice similar things. Like if you practice being peaceful and connected to yourself, they will notice that and in many times they will want to learn how to do that too. But if you force them or tell them they should be different or um, compare them to other people, right. then you're setting yourself up for um, a non it, – it's less intimate, um, less trusting – and it really zaps your energy because talk about us, you know, we talk about those spheres of control right. in our life. You don't have control over other people. That's right. Even though we think we do. Yeah. You can share with them how you feel, 
but you can't control them. That's right. Control, control, you must learn control. Even though Yoda says that. Well, he's talking to Luke about how to control himself. Right. He's not saying control Yoda's other people. Yoda's not saying you got to control others. He's saying, hey, dude, get it together. He's saying notice what's going on and then focus. So this is what I want to do. Are you all done with your nine? Or Yeah. Yeah. Nine. I feel like yeah, I was rushed. I know. You were rushed. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to give you a... Really? Or are you just happy that you had more? Um, I am really think you did a great job, and I'm also happy that I had two extras. You didn't have two extras. Yeah, I had 11. You had nine. I have 10. I have 11 written here. I just didn't go over the second to last one. (laughs) So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to play a clip because on Friday, this Friday, we're going to play an interview with Shefali, Dr. Shefali, who wrote The Conscious Parent. Yes. And she has another book coming out called Out of Control. Yes, it's wonderful. I got an advanced copy of it, and I read it, I don't know, two or three months ago, and I am psyched. So I'm going to play this for you. It's about two minutes, so just, uh, you know, if you like this clip, then listen in on Friday. Uh, the name of her book is Out of Control, Why Disciplining Your Child Doesn't Work and What Will. So here we go. Seen him speak, and I remember one time he told a story about sometimes when his kids were arguing around each other, not even being disrespectful to him, to him but, but just to each, each other. other, he would just get up and go. And it's such a foreign concept because we as parents think we have to intervene, we have to take control of the situation, and he would just bail. He would just leave. And it was weird because he found out that they were arguing for his attention yes. or for or to be heard by him. And when he removed himself from the situation, it seemed to alleviate the energy in the room, which is kind of a – it's, it's a paradoxical. It's just a different way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Todd, I've done this with countless siblings and parents, and I've always told the parents, just leave. And they feel so afraid to leave. They say, but they're going to kill each other. I always tell the parent, leave because they're putting a show and you're the, yes. greatest, and you're the greatest spectator. And you are the fulcrum. Once you leave, there's no more juice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's That's no right. interest. And this, I remember this one parent who left. She said, oh, my God, they go, I'm telling you they're going to break something or kill each other. And I said, just leave with me. And we left. And sure enough, within five minutes, they both followed her to her room and kept following her from room to room. <laughs> uh, being case in point that children are relational. Yeah. And, and so are we. And if we could just understand that all dynamics occur within the relationship, mm-hmm. then so much of our angst around punishment and control and discipline would just fade away, you know, and natural consequences are so apparent. They're right there for the taking, you know, your child doesn't get up on time. Well, they go to school late, Exactly. but we are so anxious, you know, it's us who cannot execute. So we actually protect ourselves. I see this with my own daughter every morning. I'm protecting her because I don't want to deal with her anxiety when she misses the school bus. Yes. So I'm really protecting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about protecting how we feel. There's Dr. Shafali. That was really good. I'm glad you chose that clip. Are you glad that you made fun of me because it was me well, talking? For I the had first, to set it up. I know you did. It was just funny because I didn't know which clip he chose. And for the first minute, it's just Todd talking. And I looked at him and said, where's Shafali? Um, um, but I, what I love that she says in that, and the whole interview is just like that, but it's us who can't execute. And so often we want to, bl- want to blame our children and say they didn't do this, they didn't do that. But where does our responsibility lie in allowing something to take place and or or doing too much when they don't need that much done and the reason i'm so excited about this book is she just lets it go man you know if you've read the conscious parent and you understand 
um, the importance of self-awareness and understanding yourself, this is the next level. Mm -hmm. And there is no need for a lot of these things that we have in place. Gotcha. So here's what we're doing. We're going to uh, play our interview with Hunter Clark Mm -hmm. from HunterYoga.com. Our new partner. Our new partner. She's going to talk about uh, a lot of things, but uh, most importantly, the daily practice, which is 28-day program she's given away. So hopefully uh, you like it, listen in, and then you and I are going to close the show on the back side of the interview. Sounds good. Here it is. Okay, so um, we're going to bring in our guest, Hunter Clark, um, and she's a yoga instructor. She What she does is she helps mamas create the habit of self-care with yoga and mindfulness. And if you aren't feeling healthy, strong, and grounded, she helps you get there. Um, she has easy-to-follow coaching and inspiration. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, her 28-day immersion that's coming up. But yeah. um, first, I want to bring you in. Hunter, say hello. Hi. Hi, Todd. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Thank, Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. So uh, we were kind of bouncing around what we want to talk about. Um, oh, Kathy's raising her hand. Ch- jump right in. Well, I know something that I definitely wanted to ask you um, before Hunter and I were having a conversation before is tell us because you are a yoga teacher and that's a you mm. know obviously what you're what you're going to be offering. Tell us about your yoga experience. Like, what did you train in? When did you start training? And what it's given to you. Um, well, I, I started practicing yoga when I was 18 with my mom brought me to my first class, but yeah, I practiced more off than on in the beginning. And then I got gradually more immersed in it. And, um, and it was through yoga that I discovered meditation. I, I tend to be one of those people who has like a lot of energy and I, I say I have to get my yayas out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, so, I mean, for me, yoga has, is a way for me to move, but mindfully and like to get that mindful movement and to like feel really good in my body because I'm just very sensitive to knowing when I feel stiff or when I feel uncomfortable and I know how good I can feel. So I want to um, keep that up sort of every day to to be feeling, you know, just as good as I can for, you know, my whole life, I guess. Yeah. So is yoga one of the most important parts of your self-care practice? I would assume that it is just from a time commitment standpoint. Is is it what you do more often than anything else? Um, yeah. I mean, I, um, I, the way I practice yoga is that is sort of different from the way most of the world does, I guess. I mean, I don't, I hardly ever have time to go to a yoga studio and the, although I enjoy it a lot, Um, uh, my practice is sometimes like I will just do three sun salutations if I have time or I will do every morning when I wake up, I try to wake up before my children and I'll wake up and I'll just do 10 minutes of very gentle yoga. And then I'll do some sitting meditation just to sit in quiet and to get some space. And I find that, um, is essential for my day. And then, Later in the day, if I have some time, 20 minutes before I have to pick up my daughter from school, I'll roll out my mat and I'll do a short practice and then I'll be invigorated. I'll feel great just going to get her. I love that, um, Hunter, that you say that because that is often how I experience yoga too, is it doesn't have to be this perfect package of wearing the certain outfit, going to the yoga class, sweating it out for a certain amount of time. And it doesn't have to be what people envision it to be. You really can make it what you want to make it. And I love there when I practice on my own at home, I love doing the poses I love. And I mm-hmm. love, you know, being in my own because sometimes you go to a class and the teacher is focused on something that 
you may not be interested in, you know? Um, and I love that you say that and you let our listeners know that yoga is completely a personal experience. Definitely. I mean, it, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I love like going into exactly what feels good for me. If I feel tight in my shoulders that day, cause I've had some stress with my kids or something and I focus on that area, and I focus on a calming practice, or if I need more energy, I can focus on something that's more energizing, but it kind of just gets more into sort of the nooks. The thing that makes yoga different than other just um, exercise is that, you know, it really gets into sort of the nooks and crannies of your body and sort of opens up space. And it starts out as this physical space, but it turns into this um, mental space, emotional space, you know, as you create these spaces and this good feeling in your body, it, it becomes an overall good feeling. Absolutely. You know what I like to sometimes say, I, I tend to not use the word um, exercise anymore, or I, I like to say in my own head, at least, um, I need to go move and breathe. And for some reason, just saying those two things make it not so stressful or competitive or that I need to somehow get to this higher level, move and breathe. And um, that that, like you said, movement and breathing creates space. Yeah, like to get some movement in every day. I mean, people feel like that all it has to be this whole big one thing. If you could do 15, you know, if somebody can go for a walk during one part of the day and then do 15 or 20 minutes of yoga during the another part of the day and then maybe they take some stairs later. I mean, that's wonderful. That's a great, you know, exercise for your whole body right there. That's right. So, I've been practicing yoga. How long have I been practicing yoga? About, oh, about 5 or 6 years. 5 or 6 years, and I was intimidated because I've always viewed it as a girl thing, mm-hmm. which is weird because I think some of the best yogis in the world are dudes, right? Yeah, some of the best yogis and teachers. And, yeah. Right. Um so what's interesting is now all my friends, you know, know that I practice yoga, and the one question that I love getting that happens more frequently than anything is, oh, I can't do yoga. Uh, I'm too inflexible. So <laughs> Hunter, know. as a yoga teacher, how would you respond to somebody who says, I can't do yoga, I'm too inflexible? I, I Yeah, I know. I think that's so funny because that I, I hear that too. And, you know, in fact, I have a lot of like inflexible guys in my yoga classes <laughs> and that's awesome and that's fine. Um, but that's the that's the thing. It's not that you're going to take yoga and you're going to become some Gumby woman, you know, it's like you. But if you are really inflexible, that's exactly what you need, you know, to go in and pay attention to those spaces. It may not feel incredible right in some particular moments if you're coming against your edges. But I mean, the thing about flexibility is that just if you're, you know, it just means that one person's edge where they come up to their limit is is they come up to that limit more quickly than somebody who's very flexible they just have to go deeper to get the same exact sensation Mm -hmm. it's not um it yeah they can still do practice yoga (laughs) well and that's it's so funny because i feel like and todd correct me if i'm wrong but i'm just going off of you here is that a lot of times with athletics or with some kind of movement you need a competition of some kind. You right. you like to play basketball because there's competition going on. There's winners and losers. There's winners and losers. And the fun, the great thing about yoga is it's all individual. Mm-hmm. And that you may be in a class with other people, or you may be doing it in your own home, you know, by yourself. And it's just about you. 
And so when someone, when one of your friends is saying, well, I'm not flexible enough, I can't be there, basically what they're saying is, I can't do it the way that everybody else is doing it. Right. Yeah. And they want to walk in being an expert, which is unrealistic because they've never done it. But whenever anybody says I'm too inflexible, because I used to be one of those guys that if I, if my legs were straight and I bend over to touch my toes, I get about halfway down my shins. Right. So I was never even close to touching my toes. And now I can touch my toes pretty easily. But whenever they ask me that, my response is, that's why you need to practice (laughs) yoga. Get there. And they don't get that. They think that you need to be flexible in order to do yoga. And that's actually the reason why you need to start. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about flexibility and tightness and stuff is that affects, like, that's one of the biggest, I mean, all those muscle systems are so interconnected. Like people have a lot of lower back pain, you know, and if you have very tight hamstrings, that really affects your lower back and your ability to take care of that. If you can't have any length there at all, um, it can cause a lot of pain and a lot of tightness as we get older. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is is the thing that you think is the problem is actually not the problem. You know, what's going on in your neck could be affected by what's going on in your hips. And like you said, the hamstrings is the, you know, lower back and that's that's the the other understanding of yoga is that it's all interconnected, you know, it what's going on in your feet is going to affect every other part of your body. And there's, again, a freedom in that because if you free all that up, if you open up all those spaces, every part of your body feels better. Definitely. Um, So my favorite yoga, I'm trying to think of my favorite yoga pose. I was going to close with this, but I'm going to just jump right in. Kathy, do you have a favorite yoga pose? Well, don't close because I want her to explain more about her program. No, I'm not closing yet. I was going to wait until later. But do you have a favorite yoga uh, pose, sweetie? Well, um, as I was just, I was telling Hunter before when we were talking, I love hero's pose just because it's something that kind of pushes me. I'll use Hunter's language to my edges, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's something that I feel comfortable moving into. I feel very safe in it. And I also love handstands. Um, What about you, Hunter? That's so funny because I love handstands too. too. I'm like this crazy mama where like after school where my kids are playing at the playground at the school, like I'm off practicing my handstands. Yes. (laughs) But uh, yeah, um, and I enjoy other poses. So my favorite is Shavasana. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly. And one thing that drives me nuts about certain yoga teachers is they don't, give shavasana for those of you who don't know that's kind of the final resting pose where you just kind of chill out and relax corpse pose is corpse what it pose. is in english and uh some teachers don't do that or they speed through it and it drives me crazy Mm, yeah, that's no fun. Yeah, Todd likes to he likes to stay, and when we go to class together, I always have to n- kind of knock him because he falls asleep. That's right. That's and, what it's all about. And he's there by himself. That's perfect. That's like ultimate relaxation. Totally. So my least favorite <laughs> pose is fire logs, though. Fire logs. Not a fan. My hips are us poor guys. I don't think our hips are open at all. Maybe there's a (laughs) bunch of dudes out there that have open hips, but not me. So anyway, so this is what I want to do. So Hunter is a partner and she's going to be partnering with us for a while. And I want her to um, explain what this program is, uh, when it starts, what it's all about. So go ahead, Hunter. I'm going to give you the floor. All right. All right. Well, what I've created is called the daily practice. And it's going to start on January 20th, and it's a 28-day yoga immersion. But the cool thing about it is that the first seven days are absolutely free. So anyone can just sign up and try it out. There's no excuses. Um, But what you get is you get um, a series of videos each week. Um, and they'll be, you can be at any level gentle. Um, maybe if you're just beginning or if your, your energy is low, moderate or vigorous, and then an hour long 
video at the end of the week and they each each week has a theme like the first week is to get connected um there's get grounded uh get strong and the last week is to get still so it's about being connected to your body feeling good and creating your own sort of short home practice um and there will be um guided audio meditations to help introduce people to meditation they'll be very short like three to five to ten minutes long throughout the program to connect with um those different themes and there's also going to be a group component where people can log on to a group probably on my website where um they can connect with each other and encourage each other to uh to make it through the 20 uh day program and the goal is to try to do um get a practice in every single day except for one day a week one lazy day and um and that may be even i'll have a five minute video which is like the just I can't make it today, but I can at least just do this five-minute, very gentle thing today. <laughs> so from a time commitment standpoint, I mean, are certain days longer than other days, or or have you figured that all out yet? No. Um, <clears throat> each day can be as short as that five-minute, I'm just going to stay with my dedication to do it every day video. Or um, if you have time, I'll have the hour-long video. Um, I'm thinking of it more like for the weekends if someone has time to spend a whole hour and to kind of treat themselves. But the the videos for each day are more geared to about 20 minutes, so they can be fit in if you wake up a little earlier in the morning or maybe during a nap time or before you pick up your kids from school or whatever it is. It's short enough to be designed to just fit into your day. I love that. I love that they, you know, that you're giving people so many options because I, you know, Todd and I do these virtual retreats um, where, again, the the it, the uh, gist of it is different, meaning we're not doing yoga within it, but we're, you know, offering things to people that they can do. And a lot of times people get caught up in, oh, I'm not doing it right, or I'm not doing it the way that you guys are saying to do it, or I'm not doing it like everybody else. And this whole thing that you're offering, you're basically saying to people, do this the way you want to do it. Make it fit into your life and, um, and, and enjoy it and appreciate it and, and pull from it rather than I'm giving you something else for your to-do list. So yeah. go ahead, Hunter. Oh, I, yeah. And I was just going to say, so because you have like one, uh, like the one week, the first week is get connected. So you'll have the get connected videos, the that same sort of videos all week. So if you want to just do like, say you pick the moderate video and you can just do that same one for the six or seven days that you want. And then that way you really... Um, maybe the first time you do it, you say, oh, I'm not sure I got everything. I didn't quite get it right. But then as you go through and you practice, I mean, that's the whole idea is to get a little bit of familiarity and um, practice with it before we go on to the, the next week after that. Wonderful. Gotcha. So you, so the first seven days are free. So how does somebody sign up for this? Well, you can go to hunteryoga.com slash zen for Zen Parenting Radio listeners, of which, you know, I've been a huge fan of you guys, and I love your work. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, hunteryoga.com slash zen, and you can find uh, the daily practice there, and you just can sign up right there. It's pretty easy. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about this for a while, Todd, because yeah. we, oh. you know, this is one. Oh, go ahead, Hunter. You had something else oh, to say. Oh, and I just wanted to say, we forgot. It's only the whole program, by the way, the 28-day program is only $97, which is um, 
I wanted to keep the price really low for people just trying it out for the first time and for the first time that this is running. So, um, so really affordable for everybody. Well, and just to compare it, you know, with the yoga studio that we go to, it's, you know, 15 bucks a session That's right. and you got to get in the car and you got to do all the stuff like this really makes sense for the busy mom. So, or uh, dad or the dads, cause I'm doing it. I don't know how many guys are going to get in this, but I'm in. That's so right. Todd will be talking about it, his experience. And, and as will I, Yeah, I'm going to be sharing my experience as well. That's right. And um, what we love about this, obviously, we love what Hunter's doing and what she's offering. You know, as Todd said, we're partnering with her. Um, but I love that, you know, on the show, we talk about self-care all the time and, um, you know, love yourself and honor yourself. And sometimes people are like, well, great, I love that. But how do I do that? And this is one of these opportunities um, where you can practice something from the comfort of your own home. It won't disrupt your schedule. Um, it'll actually make your schedule better. Right. Um, and so, Hunter, thank you so much for creating creating something that people could access to make their lives better. Yay. Yeah, no problem. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to Kathy's point, I uh, I tend to like people have takeaways from shows. And sometimes you and I, just Kathy and I, have wonderful conversations. But I feel like, okay, what did somebody get out right. of that did show? Did they take something, right? And this is something for, for uh, no risk. I mean, you try it out for, for seven days. If you like it, you keep going. If you don't, no money left out of your pocket. So totally. go to hunteryoga.com slash zen. We'll also have the link on our zenparentingradio.com page. So And we'll be talking about our experiences. Yeah, we'll kind Kind of just give it uh, our two cents as we kind of plug along the 28 days and see where it goes. So, um, so Hunter, I, I appreciate you taking the time out to spend uh, spend some time with us on the on the show here, and uh, look forward to uh, the 28 days. So, no, thank you, thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it too. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it, and um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. All right, and that was Hunter Clark. Um, so hopefully you join the 28-day practice that she's promoting. For seven days are free, so it's really no risk. So hopefully you do that. So let's uh, finish up the show. First, I want to talk about our third and final partner, Avid Company. It's a new year, which means uh, time to paint the walls. Your walls aren't looking so good. Uh, redo that bathroom. Get some new paint. New carpeting in the basement. <laughs> you name it. You got to get it done. 630-956-1800. Jeremy Kraft is the owner and friend. Uh, they do work all over the Chicagoland area, so give them a call. Six three zero nine five six eighteen hundred. Uh, and last, what do we want to promote? Well, I wanted to say that something I very rarely talk about in the show is I am a columnist for Chicago Parent Magazine. Um, and so if you live in the Chicagoland area, these magazines are everywhere. You know, they're at toy stores and YMCA's and um, schools and, you know, they're just, they're all over. It's a free publication. Right. And it's also online. And I really, um, I mean, I like every month's column, but I really like this month's column. Right. So pick it up. And we'll put that in our show notes. Yes. And I actually don't have a link to it yet. Um, I will tomorrow. By but the time the show's up, we'll have the link. Yeah. And pick up the, the magazine itself because it's a darn good magazine. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then we have our Amazon affiliate program. Yeah. So if you buy something from Amazon, do, a, do us a favor and go to our homepage first. There's an Amazon link on the right-hand side. Go there and then do all your shopping. Uh, yeah, click there first. It'll take you to Amazon and then shop. And yes. then we get um, money for BU. Right. And again, it's not your money. It's Amazon's money. That's right. You don't pay anymore. Um, and then what about the retreat? You want to talk about it? Not yet. Okay, we're not, not yet, ready. but we're, it's coming. Why don't you just tease it? Well, we have a retreat coming in February that Todd and I are working through right now, and it's going to be for couples, but it's also going to be for workplaces or for groups that are together. Like if you have a, you know a group that you're with a lot this is something you can do together because it's a relationship um retreat that's right how to interact with each other 
with spouses, with boyfriend, girlfriend, with coworkers, mm-hmm. uh, you name it. So. Yeah. So we're going to, and it'll be Todd and I together. So. That's right. It's going to be good. Um, is anything, you got anything else? No. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Zen Parenting Radio. Everybody have a good day. And if you're in Chicago, stay warm because it's darn cold out there. Mm-hmm.